I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. What you doing? Uh, really? Yeah, for, for honest and true for our listeners. I'm deleting emails. That is a hot Thursday night here at the Connor and Smith house. Well, I don't want to get caught with with my emails so i'm de- i'm deleting all of the evidence mm-hmm. you know actually tomorrow is my last day of a 10 week camp summer camp thing yes congratulations and, and so i am um just deleting all of the stuff that i need i never took care of so gotcha okay well very good um well uh we today are going to be talking to Garrett Elise Long. Uh, we're going to journey through her um, Broadway career, her SU life, her um, just everything to do with her. Uh, that you know, Garrett came through dinner theaters in in the um, DMV area, Signature Theater, and many others. So it's a very exciting. We were blessed that she uh, took the time to talk to us on a night off from. Um, the music man on the Broadway. Yeah, and you know, we I, I, I always know, I don't know why, but I guess because I'm from the Northern Virginia area, I always refer to Garrett Elise Long as Garrett Elise Long. Mm-hmm. But I, I bet, I think some of her professional credits is Garrett Long. Yeah. But I don't know why, I feel like I'm her, like, correcting aunt or something like, Garrett Elise, get in here, soup's ready. I know, and I just call her Garrett Elise Long because that's how I remember seeing her name in programs, and also that's how she has her name on her Facebook. So, we are going to interview and Either talk is to right. Garrett Elise Long or, or Garrett, Garrett Long. Long. Either one is correct. Um, yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, it's an exciting interview. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break. I will tell you first that we have launched our Connor and Smith Patreon. Um, I'll put the details in the uh, show notes below this link and just check it out. Uh, see if you can find it in your heart to. Uh, drop a few shekels our way we're creating lots of exclusive content on that uh including um some shows musicals uh that are just going to be in the digital format there's other perks as well there's some really cute magnets there's some uh uh, behind the scenes videos of uh up and coming shows that we're working on like ichabod the legend of sleepy hollow that's coming soon um and our podcast um adventure story long shot um, that is a kind of dramatic uh, sound effect 80s arcade uh, LGBTQ focused uh, adventure story so lots of stuff going on check out the Patreon we really appreciate it we appreciate all of you listening we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back Hello? Hello! Hi, Garrett, can you hear me? I can't. Uh, except, hold on a second. Because I can't get the plug in here. Can you please leave it there? Uh, sorry, technical difficulties. That's quite all right. <laughs> this is so interesting, this modern technology. This modern living that we're all in. I, I, I actually saw the email and I broke out into a sweat thinking I'm never going to be able to make this work. <laughs> and you did it in like record time. I did. I just looked at the words and I followed what it said. That's what, that's what humans don't do anymore. They don't read. <laughs> well, I had so many issues with Zoom, you know, during the pandemic of just trying to make that work. Oh, God, we all did. Well, Garrett, welcome. Um, I am sitting here with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, Hi, Matt. Hey, Garrett Elise. <laughs> Hi. And uh, also our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hello, welcome. Hello, Ryan. Now, Ryan, you've never met Garrett, correct? I don't think so, no. Ryan went to Shenandoah with us. Garrett, when did you graduate? A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back back in the day. Back in the back in the olden days. 
Now, I remember when we used to kind of catch up a little bit at the piano. That was my side hustle at the Signature. Are, do, do you, are you from Virginia? Um, my, my dad was in the Navy. So, um, You're from everywhere. I was born in Virginia Beach at the Naval Hospital. And I moved to England when I was four and Belgium when I was entering third grade, whatever that is, probably what, eight, nine. And then we moved back to the States for uh, seventh grade, which was a terrible time to move a child who had been living overseas uh, into middle school. And she knew nothing about pop culture. <laughs> It was awful. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's me. And I mo we moved back to the D.C. area. We moved to Alexandria. But then my father got a job in Pennsylvania. So I moved out there for the last few years of high school. And then to Shenandoah, back to Virginia. Where are you tonight? New York. The New York City. The New York, the city of New York. Indeed. So how does a girl from uh, Virginia Beach to the U.K. to Belgium find S.U.? Are you talking about Shenandoah University? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the school that I went to is not the school it is today. You know, I always say it was like boarding school when I was there. <laughs> there were 400 people there and, um, you know, there's all, I'd say it was 600 day students and 400 on campus. So we never saw the day students except the ones that played sports. Um, so really, you knew everybody on campus, at least by name, uh, by your junior year, which was which was pretty cool. Even the nursing students, because you'd see them. The nursing students, if you remember, we were up late with them. They're studying and we're still rehearsing. Um, so, yeah. Did you ever do the summer stock? I did. I did three seasons of the summer stock. Um, I skipped one year and worked at Wayside, which just closed a couple of years ago. Which I was, know, that was such a little gem. Yeah, it was so weird too, right? It was just this tiny little theater across the street from the Hermans. The yeah. Um, so uh, I did a season there and I, I have to tell this story just because like, who's listening to this anyway? Shenandoah people? Is a that cross section of everybody, actually, because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, they went to your school. I've seen them in this show or I know them from Funny. this. So, so I, I have to tell the story because it blows my mind today. Um, I was hired to be in three shows and be the props mistress for the whole season. Uh, Kent. Oh, gosh, is his name Hobson? Home chick Hobson was one of, he worked with Mac. He was the other uh, tech teacher. Uh, he was there for a minute, maybe two years. And he, he apparently told Wayside that I could be the props mistress, that I had the goods to do it. And I think back on it, they did Steel Magnolias, uh, The Nerd, which has a prop list of about six pages. If you ever get your hands on that play, there's like six pages of Crazy props. Yeah, Ryan, you weren't in the nerd. I, I was in the nerd, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. like boiling hot char and just the craziest stuff. And Private Lives, which had, um, you needed those antique records uh, that you could break every night. And my budget for each show was $100. <laughs> and I had my Volvo station wagon and I went and begged, borrowed, and stealed from everybody in Middleburg, Winchester, just going anywhere and saying, can I have this, you know, going into beauty parlors and saying, could I borrow that hairdryer, you know, <laughs> like, and I may, I did it, somehow I did it, and the acting jobs was, was really fun, but I just marvel at what I was able to accomplish having no background, you know what I mean? I was working at this equity theater, and I was the props mistress. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. We, we keep talking about that with all of our SU friends that kind of, you know, because Shendo was so small, you did kind of get sort of a boot camp training in theater. Like no matter what your department was, you were ready with your kit and off you went. Yeah. I mean, I love the technical side and I nearly changed my major sophomore year to scenic painting because I loved being in the shop so much. 
and I was really having a hard time with the drama off stage. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me because this was supposed to be fun. It was in high school <laughs> and you get to school and everybody's all bent out of shape over stuff that I just couldn't figure out. And um, so, yeah, I almost changed to scenic design or, or scenic painting. That would have been a different life. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure, I know it still exists, but I'm sure that the wells are drying up a little with a lot of projections and things that are kind of taking over the the yeah. world of, of theater design. So maybe not as a lucrative a field anymore. Um, I have a friend who's a scenic painter and she works a lot in TV. Ah, of course. Because it does cross over into set dressing. Um, but there's always stuff that needs to be painted, which is, you know, nice to hear, you know, there's still, there's still an art, a craft to it. Um, you can't 3D print that. No, you can't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to that drama. <laughs> don't, don't, do you feel like maybe when we are all kind of in this place of learning not only who we are, but how we fit in the business, and you don't really know how you fit in the business, and you're not even sure maybe if you know who you are, and it causes like all this sort of, I don't know, upheaval that hopefully gets itself sorted out with uh your career and whatever, but I, you know, I guess we've all probably been in rooms with like mean people before you wonder like, how did you get so mean and we're working like on cats, you know? Um, yeah. And not mean, but- I, I just find, you know, you, people go into the business for different reasons. And it's so hard for people that go into it wanting to be successful, right? Right. Um, and I watched them struggle with, the job, the job of being a professional actor, because the success means more than the actual craft of it all, right? <clears throat> it's like, I just want to play. I want to be different people. I don't care where I'm doing it as long as I'm doing it with people who care. Right. And, um, and, I, and I, I've recently been working with the entitled generation, and it's been fascinating to me that the ones that have grown up on so I think you can dance and America's Got Talent and and these instant megastars and the um, the YouTube stars and the and 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 I it's fascinating and I'm like you're you're never going to be happy because right. like even there's there's somebody in my cast who um, thinks that now that she got the Broadway show she she's you know she's 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 made it she's going to stay and, I'm, and we're all like no. No, I mean, you, 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 you might have another Broadway show, but you might not, you know, it's, you just never know. <laughs> it's, you got to be ready for the ride and, and enjoy the highs and lows of it all because it's drama, right? It's like, that's what you signed up for. <laughs> well, well, yeah. And you, you can't take away the props from the nerds or from the nerd because, mm -hmm. because that was, that's also a part of the journey and the tapestry of the career. Yeah. I know when me and Stevie saw you in, um, let's talk about Floyd Collins. Oh, yeah. still my favorite thing I've ever done. Okay, can I just say this? I don't know anything about theater now, and I didn't then, but I did not know Floyd Collins. I didn't know the guy was going to get stuck in a cave. And just the whole experience, like there are certain shows that you, you know, we all go and see or whatever. But I mean, that one has stuck with me to this day. Patricia yeah. Gentry. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember the... Oh, Rich Alfonado. Rich Alfonado and Will, Will Garshaw. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I mean, you and um, I think, was it Tom Michael Simpson Sharp? was there. Michael Sharp was there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just an incredible team, an incredible experience. And as you know, working at the garage was exactly that. Maybe sometimes mm -hmm. a capital G, sometimes a lowercase g. <laughs> but the work and the experience was all about creating this um story and i just i still remember i mean me and steven got in a fight once can i bring this up just once no about <laughs> four thousands oh yeah because yeah. i was like this I, goes back to props and costumes yeah, and design I was, I was like oh my god what was Pat patricia gentry wearing she would never wear that coat <laughs> <laughs> it was a scarf was it a scarf yeah you were like that scarf is too fancy they were poor yeah i said that scarf was way too oh, fancy oh i don't remember i'll have to look at pictures isn't that horrible but um 
I was like, it's an heirloom. Yeah, and I don't, think I, I don't think I would have had braids necessarily, but you know, nobody, nobody was paying attention too much to that. Uh, I, I remember, um, well, you know, you, there's some great songs for that character, your character in uh, the show, including Lucky. Mm. And um, I, the name escapes me, but the, I'm going to walk you through the mountain on a bear's skin road. It's through the mountain. Oh, God. Just I remember you singing to the floor and mm. like caressing the floor and it was heartbreaking. Um, and it's it's just an image we often bring up. Um, I just said, uh, it's funny because I'm, I'm doing Ethel Toffelmeyer right now in Music Man on Broadway. I don't know if you guys know that, but um, I've given Ethel the mind of a child um, and possibly because I loved being Nellie so much. It gives me a chance to go back to that world a little bit. And um, so, because I just, people ask me what my favorite role is I've ever played. And I always say Nellie and Floyd Collins. It was just so fun to live in her world. Um, you know, to, 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 you know, what is she, maybe she was autistic back then, but she, she lived in a whole other world than everybody else. And it was magical and beautiful. And, you know, she was telepathic and could talk to cave crickets. It was just awesome. Right. So, have you, have you been able to revisit the role any place else? No, I haven't. And I'm, I'm, I think, you know, I look younger than I am, or at least I did. <laughs> I can see the age in the past, like two years coming to my face, um, almost like it's playing catch up. You know, I thought for a while, I was like, I could still pull it off, but now I'm going, oh, no, I don't think I can anymore, unless it was like a massive stage. But who wants to see Floyd Collins on a massive, a massive <laughs> face? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I loved it. And I, I love everything about that show. And I did get to see it uh, at Playwrights Horizons. And that was a funny experience too, because my friend Jesse Lennett, who I went to high school with, was doing this show at this place called Playwrights Horizon. So I went to see my friend and his show. <laughs> Just, you know, we came from a, a Shenandoah where they didn't teach you anything and we didn't have the internet. And I didn't know anything about New York. Uh, I didn't know anything about Broadway. I didn't know anything about anything. So I certainly did not know that Playwrights Horizons was the birthplace of so many incredible shows. And I remember walking in to their old space and there were pictures on the wall of Sunday in the Park with George and once on this island and thinking, why are these, why, are, why do they have these pictures up on the wall? <laughs> like literally, like why? And then seeing Playwrights Horizons production of set like, what? It was, it blew my mind. And then I went into that tiny theater and had the most amazing theatrical experience of my life. What Tina Landau did and how she directed it was incredible the, uh, it was incredible so i don't i obviously don't know how our show came across but you guys seem to like it so oh uh, yeah. i thought it was i thought it was i don't have a reference point because i didn't see tina's and you know the show is not staged a lot um i think there's been one other production in this area since then um which is in and of itself i think quite surprising because it's just a very it's a difficult show to do musically it's a difficult show to do um if you don't have an incredible imagination with staging but i remember uh rich affinato um crawling through the catwalks mm -hmm. and it, it just looking so magical and you, you yeah that's 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 what um that's what we experienced that's what i experienced in the theater they had a pin spot on on his face and they had a huge grid built above, like scaffolding. Um, so when he was on the scaffolding and they had ropes and slides and stuff, so he was able to create going through the cavern with a pin spot on his face. I mean, feel bad for that spot operator, right? <laughs> like, just keep it on his face. Right. You know, I, was, I was actually thinking I feel bad for him because, God, that's so blinding and trying to, like, climb up in the air. <laughs> Yeah. And sing this incredible aria while acting as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy time. Oh, gosh. Gary, did you move immediately from SU to NYC? No, no. I went, um, Michael Sharp, who is my angel, he has come into my life. He got me Floyd Collins, actually. He's the one that made it happen. Um, he and I, he was a fifth year senior my freshman year, and I didn't really know him. I was in awe of him. I thought he was like Gene Kelly. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, because the, the roles he did at school when I was there were Gene Kelly-esque. And um, he came back for summer theater here and there, but my senior year, he came back for Kismet and he was going to do Kismet at Harlequin Dinner Theater after we were done. And he got me an audition and I got it um, to understudy Marcina. And I was an Ababu princess again, which I had done with Kathy Boyko and Robin Higginbotham. That was super fun. We, we still love to talk about how fun it was. Um, and uh, so I went to Harlequin and did Kismet. Then I went to Toby's and I did Phantom and a kid's show. And then I did the Kaiser Permanente teen show that traveled to schools. And then they were having audition. I had seen a run through, this is what's so crazy. I'd seen a run through of Troika's bus and truck. It was their, their last run through before they're going to tech of Meet Me in St. Louis. And I said, in the next 10 years, I want to get a Troika tour. I put it like, gosh, if I could do one of those, wow, that's amazing, right? Not thinking beyond like just staying i always like stayed in the moment i was i was working on maybe having a small role at troika or at toby's and um i got my first lead at toby's which was the musical shenandoah uh, to play Anne. and i also had an audition for the troika bus and truck of grand hotel and i thought oh gosh i'm not i don't i'm not really ready for that but i went in and i thought maybe i could be one of the operators and um, and they called me back for Flemshin. And man, if only we had Xanax back then, I was <laughs> a wreck. I thought there's no way I could, you know, just because I put it on such a high pedestal and the, the people I saw in that run through, um, it was Chris Zieber was the boy next door. I mean, it was just incredible talent and, and meet me in St. Louis and Chris Zieber was supposed to play, um, uh, what's his face in Grand Hotel? The Baron? Yes. And their poster was already made up with him on the poster and Angel Caban, who was the star in the DC area at the time, playing Flemshin. So I went to the audition and somehow a calmness came over me and I I got the role of Flemshin. And then I had to deal with like, holy shit, like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if my nerves can handle it. And I went to Toby at Toby's and I said, I just don't think that I, I'm cut out to, to do it, it's too much. And she told me I had to take it. And she was totally fine with me not doing Shenandoah. She was very, you know, she was like a mom to so many of us. So I did that and I went off on Grand Hotel and then I did a bus and truck of Sunday in the Park with George, which was out of a, a bus and truck out of Chicago, Circa 21 or something. And um, people on that tour were from New York. Some of the people had come from New York and I was learning a little bit about New York and um, they said, you should go for summer stock auditions when we were done with our tour. So I went and stayed on friends' couches. Um, my friend Rob Vidal, did you ever know the Vidal brothers? No, no. They were, they were uh, musicians and Rob and Tom had moved to New York and I stayed on their couch for summer stock auditions. And that's when I was like, oh, they auditioned for everything up here. <laughs> You right. know, like, oh, there's theaters all over the country. Right. <laughs> it was backstage was just like, I had no idea. I'm just like, so just not prepared for it. So I moved to New York when I was 25 and um, yeah, started my little journey in New York. I don't know if your ears were burning last night, but there was uh, Miss Melissa alone was on our podcast. I don't, I can't think of, you said it was from... Yeah, tell me about Melissa, because I can't remember. Now, Melissa had said that you, the reason she ended up at Shenandoah was because of you. And I know, Maybe, that, I know I, that Melissa was a Toby's girl. Huh. I don't know if um, you, you probably were already out of school, maybe working here in the D.C. area. Well, you said summer theater, right? I mean, I did go back after a Susical tour to do south pacific no i think she said at the west end maybe no i never worked at west end but anyway west that's that's interesting that's one of the dinner theaters it's been so long that who can remember but mm -hmm. but uh the inspiration is forever right right yeah <laughs>
But you just said that you are in uh, the Music Man. Yeah. And that's yeah. been running, what, since the spring? We No, we started rehearsal in October, and we uh, started previews in December, December 20th. Opened end of January, and we closed January 5th or 7th, something like that. You do have a closing date. Yes. Um, I think there's possibility for a small extension, but um, we've heard that Back to the Future is going to move in in the spring. Back to the Future, the musical? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So is every contract, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it is. I'm kind of asking this for our listeners. Does every contract uh, in New York with the Broadway show sometimes is open-ended, sometimes is a closing date? I see that, like, Into the Woods was, like, a small run, but now they're going to extend it. So you get a different contract every time? You know, it just depends. I, I feel like Music Man is a huge hit. The, the show is a hit as well as how incredible Hugh and Sutton and everybody in the cast are. When the understudies have gone on, the show still is getting the same response. So we thought that maybe we could extend because um, shows usually do and they bring in new people. But we haven't heard any news of that. And then when we heard that um, Back to the Future was moving in, we're like, oh, yeah, we're done. And Hugh has kind of always said that, you know, it's going to be the best year of our lives. And he's always kind of spoken as if it's, this is it. We're just doing this for a year. And in a way, as shows have been opening and closing uh, post-pandemic, I think it's, it's I, I personally feel like it's kind of the way it should be, um, going back to the way it was in the heyday. Like these shows running forever and ever and ever, um, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's so many wonderful shows that want to come in and do they have to run forever? I feel like two years is a, is a great run. Um, but the Wicked's and the Phantoms and, you know, the Lion Kings, I just don't know. I don't know. There's still an audience for them, obviously, but I don't know. Do you think, do you think when it runs that long that it really becomes sort of like a, a karaoke sing-along for the audience? I have no idea. I don't, we'd have to ask some of the people that go, the ones that come to see. I mean, it's obviously a secure ticket when you're gonna spend money on a Broadway show. You know, it's been running for a long time so you can get that one. But I think that's what makes me sad. It's like, you're stopping them from seeing something new and fresh and I don't know. I, I really, I'm, I'm talking on something that I, I'm just curious about. You yeah. Know? And just knowing that back in the 50s, they would run for six months, eight months, and that would be it, you know? It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're stopping somebody from seeing, you know, a strange loop because Chicago's still playing. Yeah. You know? But, but also, like, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> right, because maybe not everyone wants to see that. <laughs> yeah, I certainly don't. I certainly don't want the the Andersons from Idaho to go see a strange look. You know, like I mean, I do and I don't, but I just know that. that or I'm maybe sure they not, should. <laughs> maybe I'm sure they're not ready for that. <laughs> Gary, do you um, get to see a lot of stuff in New York when you're performing? I guess maybe kind of. I um I I got a ticket to Strange Loop. I went right away to see if there were any shows I could see. Um, only because of that one number that they, uh, it was the, I guess the arena stage company or no, not arena Woolly stage. Mammoth. Woolly. Yeah. Woolly Mammoth. I was like, Oh, this, this song is flipping fantastic. I, so I, I was very eager to see it. Um, so I have seen that. <laughs> have I seen anything else? Um, and also ever since I, I'm a mom, I, I, my time at home is precious because I was in Dear Evan Hansen for two and a half years and fun home. And, and so what, since I've been a mom and just getting to have some time at home with my daughter is, you know, there's, I have two nights a week that I get to put her to bed. Um, so do I go see a show is, you know, tricky. Well, I did not get to see arena arena's version of Dear Evan Hansen before I went to New York. Um, it clearly did not get any Helen Hayes nominations here in D.C., which is a huge statement about maybe people who see theater in D.C. and don't really get it. But that's another podcast. 
Um, it was shocking. It was shocking. But I mm. saw the movie uh. and I was like ugly crying. I was ugly crying. Wow. It was You've so- You've never seen Darren Hansen on stage? No. Wow. Now see, this was, now I won't make this podcast about me, but <laughs> because I used to play the piano at Signature Theater in the lobby for 10 years every night, I was working up until the hour of most curtains in Washington. Hmm. So I didn't really go out and see a whole lot um, unless it was there at, at Signature. Well, I'm really glad that the movie had that effect on you. Um, the movie uh, has a lot of problems. Um, Does I, it? I couldn't watch it. I turned it off in the beginning of the middle number of the, of the opening number. Uh, the main reason being Evan's supposed to be, his mother is a single mother who is barely scraping by and um, they're living in this suburban house was like, where, what, what is, what is this house was my first reaction. Second, waving through a window, tap, tap, tapping on the glass. I don't know how it happened that he, I don't know how Ben didn't speak up that he was looking through an actual window and looking into a mirror when it's not at all about that. And in the stage version, it is very apparent that it's about the, your iPad and your iPhone tapping on the glass of your iPad and iPhone. I, I just, I, I, I was, I, I was horrified. I didn't know what had happened. So were um, they, they were, maybe they were, were they kind of like uh, dumbing this down for like the generic TV viewers that would be I like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I haven't seen Ben since he filmed it. I, I haven't spoken to any, my friend plays Connor and I'd be curious to talk to him because we do still chat. Um, but I don't know what happened. I don't know why they put a wig on Ben. I don't know why he has makeup on. I don't know many things like, he still looks exactly the same as he did when we did the show. Right. Um, and he looked like a teenager, uh, very believably. So I, I, I was so confused by so much of it um, that I had to turn it off. And that was just in the first, what, three or four minutes. <laughs> so if you can see it, um, you'll, you'll, you talk about an ugly cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, and for me, I kind of, um, because I am a composer, I think the music kind of uh, maybe covers a little bit of that because the music is so fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it truly, it truly is like those two guys and Stephen who wrote the book. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, there's one show that you've done that I know nothing about, but I know that you have been noted uh, about this show, and that is the Spitfire. Spitfire Grill. Yeah. Oh, how did you get involved with that? Was that a New York thing, Chicago thing, DC thing? Uh, it's New York. Um, uh, I've never had such a strong feeling. I saw um, saw it in backstage um, that they were going to be doing a reading of Spitfire Grill, and I knew the film, and I just had that deep down in my soul and gut that I had to be seen for this and I called my agent like shaking scared to say you know scared to ask in a way because I just felt it there's something about it and uh I said you know they're doing a reading at George Street Playhouse and he said hold on a second and I held and he came back he's like you have an appointment at 4 40 or whatever and I was like oh my god thank you so much like just like oh my god I have an appointment you know just there was just something about it and it's like, it's one of those, it's a testament to your gut always knows because my gut knew, right? So I get the appointment, I go, they wanted a, they wanted um, folky country, I sang through the mountain and they're like, um, let me look at your book. And they look through my book and they tell me to sing um, Waiting for Life to Begin from Once on this Island. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, sorry, I sing that. <laughs> And then I, I got the reading 
because you know they, they need to hear if you've ever heard the cd there's big long belted held out notes which is obviously why they had me sing that um so um my daughter just blew me a kiss oh um hello daughter <laughs> she's such a good girl <laughs> so um so then we did the reading it was just four days and then we did Oh, and then George Street picked it up for the fall. And the story about Spitfire is that, oh gosh, Penny, Penny Fuller, I don't know if you know who Penny Fuller is, was friends with the artistic director of George Street Playhouse. And she was also friends with the composer, James Valk. And James had sent her four songs on a cassette tape of this, this musical that he had just started to work on with his friend, Fred. And Penny played it for David, uh, in the fall, uh, this was the fall before the spring of our reading. And he was like, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. I'm going to do this next, next fall. He was like, tell them to write it, tell them to finish it. So that from that fall to the spring where we did our first workshop to the fall was the first production of it. It was a year from the inception of it, which never happens. And then it was picked up by Playwrights Horizons to be done the following fall. We did we did another workshop in the summer. Sorry, it was the it was it was late spring, early summer, um, and we lost our beloved Fred Alley. Uh, he he uh, died of a heart aneurysm, and um, it was you know he was thirty eight years old. It was, an, it was like Jonathan Larson, just like he was on his way to the top and. And he, he passed um, and we continued with our production at Playwrights. Um, we had uh, Lee David Zlotoff who wrote the screenplay for the film helped James finish the script along with the help of many other people, the director, uh, David Saint. And we opened to, uh, we had a four week preview and a two week run at Playwrights Horizons. and. It, people were going crazy over the show. It was it was such a huge hit, um, word on the street kind of thing. We had Broadway producers attached. We had uh, off-Broadway uh, venues that wanted to do an open-ended run. So when we opened and got the reviews we did, um, it, was, it was a go for a small Broadway house or an open-ended off-Broadway house. And we opened on September 8th, 2001, and then September 11th happened. And that was the end of Spitfire Grill. Um, and of course there was the possibility that as the stock market came back and producers felt stable with their funds that they might revisit Spitfire, which they did about a year and a half, two years later, they started to talk about it and then nothing ever happened with it. It wasn't, it wasn't the time for it then. Um, so, I think other other musicals had come through that had been folk musicals and had not been a hit. Um, and I think it kind of hurt Spitfire's um, possibilities of, of a Broadway run. But people still talk about how it should come back. Um, it should have a Broadway run. And it would be wonderful if it did. Um, maybe I'll play the old lady when it comes back. Yeah. I mean, it could take the path of Violet, you know, I mean, yeah, it's you know, it's funny because Violet was right before us. Violet played Pirates Horizons, I think, a year before us, and um, it. I always think about that, like when Violet came came back. Um, so, anyway, I think I think I could be making this up or conflating things, but I want to say, after your performance in um, in Floyd Collins at Signature we were talking to you in the lobby afterwards. We knew some people in the cast, I think. And I think we kind of said, hey, we went to SU too and talked to you a little bit. And I I want to say, did you know then, because you did audition with uh, Through the Mountain, did you know you were going to be doing Spitfire? No, I don't think so. No. No. I think Phil Collins was 97, 97. Right, and Spitfire was 01. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. 
I'm just I'm just conflating things then because I remember seeing that you were doing Spitfire and then probably just rewound to Floyd Collins in my mind. It's interesting what the mind will do when there's been that many years. I know. But the fun, the, another fun story with Spitfire is, so it ended, um, I was making, I was clearing about $350 a week uh, on, on my Playwright Horizons contract. <laughs> it's fun to think about when you think of all the people that have been through there, you know, Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters making three fifty a week or whatever, or less probably when they were there. What you do for the love of the craft, right? And um, so I was catering. I was still catering. I was still going to open calls for uh, for plays and such. And I had an agent who I adored and they adored me and everything was really good, but I still was going to open calls. Um, and I woke up uh, the morning, one morning in the spring and turned on New York One and Roma Tori said, I don't know if you know who Roma Tori is, but she does the, the theater reviews on New York One, which is the local station. Um, she said, today we'll be announcing the Drama Desk nominees. Um, so I took note and I went and I signed up for my open call. I was going auditioning for some play and um, came back and turned on New York One, because I was curious about Patrick Wilson as a family friend, and I knew he had done Oklahoma. I was curious if he would be nominated. Um, and the second, maybe it was either the first or the second nomination announced was uh, Best Supporting Actress in a Musical. And they announced Liz Calloway, Spitfire Grill. And I was brushing my teeth and I just stopped like, because it, it's the spring now. This is September 11th, you know, September 11th in the fall. And now we're in the spring. And I haven't thought about Spitfire. Nothing's happening with Spitfire. I'm catering again. I'm going to my open calls. And Liz Calloway is nominated for Spitfire. And I'm like, holy shit. Spitfire is being, is part of this? Spit, our tiny little run is part of this? Not knowing what Drama Desk was really, other than it was nom you know, nominations for an award. So I thought, gosh, I wonder if it could be nominated for best, best you know, uh, score, because it was an incredible score. And so my roommate is up and she's telling me what it's all about and um, it's Off-Broadway and Broadway together. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And it's like one of the last categories, I think is leading actress in the musical. And they announced my name and I can't tell you how crazy that was because it was me and Sutton Foster, Vanessa Williams for Into the Woods, uh, Carrie O'Malley for Into the Woods and gosh, it's one other like established people <laughs> and me who's going to open calls and cater waitering. <laughs> like, I was, it was just, it was crazy. And I was, and I was also nominated for Drama League, and I was also called to cater Drama League, and I said I couldn't because I was actually a nominee. <laughs> and um, you know, just wild, it was a wild ride, wild times, and that that changed my career. I you know, doors started to open for me, and it was very exciting. And I was now being seen for Broadway plays. Um, I was seen for Carol Burnett wrote a play with uh, her daughter Hollywood Arms, and I was. I was taken straight to the final callback for that um, because of this nomination. And um, and then I decided to um, go out on tour with Susical, uh, even though people told me I shouldn't leave because I was hot. And I said, I don't care. I don't care about, you know, celebrity status, any of that. I want to play Gertrude. That looks like fun. And so I did that and I came back and they were right. I had to start all over. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it was fascinating. I could I couldn't be seen for Little Women or Wonderful Town, where the two shows I couldn't be seen. Um, well, you, you know, when I was talking to J. Robert Spencer mm -hmm. off of the podcast, he at one point was saying uh, when he was doing sideshow and doing, I think he must have been a swing for a couple of shows, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I remember him saying, like, Matt. I've got to leave town. I got to leave town and then come back because right now all, all I'm going to be looked at is a swing. Yeah. I have to like restart, reboot the whole thing. Yeah, it's true. It happened to my friend John McGinnis, who is now Casey Nicola's right hand man. He, I did two shows with him where he was my leading man. And um, he's 
so he's such a great comedic actor. He's like a Ray Bolger type, so incredible. Um, could not be seen for roles on Broadway because he had done so many ensemble tracks on Broadway. Just wow. messed up, isn't it? <laughs> you That's almost want to like what's just happened, you know, with the swings getting all of the swings and understudies getting all of this amazing publicity uh, for being rock stars, which they are, you know, including Kathy Voitko, including Kathy Voitko. And that was that performance was off the hook. I don't none of us know how she did it, but that's what that's what you do. Right. Pure adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm mindful of your time, Garrett. Uh, and I know you want to get your sweet daughter uh, to bed. <laughs> Wait, so I have one question. Yeah. Yeah. So be while you're doing a, a humongous hit uh, like The Music Man with The Hugh and The Sutton and The Garrett and The Kathy, um, do you wait? And this might be, maybe we can't talk about this, but do you <laughs> wait until Music Man ends to kind of go back? I mean, you if, if you've got That's something else, I guess people can leave a show. Oh, so so we cannot leave. We'd have, uh, we'd have to buy out our contract. If you're a principal, you have to buy out the contract. Um, so uh, so we're there until the end, but we will start auditioning um, probably the last two months for theater work. And then my my goal, I'm, I'm kind of focused on TV and film right now uh, for a couple of reasons. One of them is my daughter, because um, I like to be with her. Um, Another reason is I had a taste of it and I like it a lot. And um, the was other that reason, COVID? sorry, that was pro, yeah, <laughs> BC before COVID. Yeah. Um, and I, um, yeah, one of them was right before COVID. It was the Halston on Netflix. That was right before COVID hit. Um, we love the Halston. It was pretty good. You were in Halston. Have to watch the documentary. The documentary on him is incredible. I wish I wish they had had more episodes and added more story because there's so much more story there. Um, is, is it Houston? Houston. 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 You know, a, a full disclosure: we actually, after watching Houston, we actually purchased the cologne <laughs> and got it. We're we're wearing Houston right now. Yep. Ah, that's amazing. Isn't that hysterical? Well, and the story of that bottle is pretty massive. Oh my God! Yeah, the dog strap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other reason is when you get to a certain age, right? You know, you're in your. I'm in my fifties now, and the roles are there's not going to be as many roles as there were. So it would be good to focus heavily on the film and TV, where there hopefully will be more uh, opportunities. Well, um, I mean, it seems like I mean. I don't know nothing about nothing, but there's so much great writing that's happening uh, for television and movies. And I mean, streaming. there's so much good stuff to watch. Yeah. It's too overwhelming. Much. Too much. Yeah. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. Is there, and, and I always ask this of folks just because it, people like to hear everyone's answer, but is there, of all that stuff that's streaming, TV, whatever, is there something that you have been really drawn into? Oh gosh. Um, well, like, like you said, so many, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, Handmaid's Tale and, um, oh, what's the one right now about the, the rich family? That's yes. Can't Are we watch it? Oh my God. It's so good. But we also love alone, uh, which is a reality show from the history channel. Um, highly recommend that. Um, it's on Hulu. It's it's kind of like Survivor, but not at all. They they plot people down in the middle of Antarctica with a camera and ten items, and whoever lasts the longest um, wins. Uh, oh no, that sounds like the Wayside gig. It's uh, it's so incredible. Like the, these people are incredible. They build the most amazing cabins, and and they're they're also wacko. You know, they're just wild human beings. Um, so that's a fun one. Um, what else do I like to watch? I don't know. Ladies of London. <laughs> that's Ladies of London. What's that? It's a reality show. <laughs> it's like the housewives, but it's ladies. In London. Of London. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, you gotta have you gotta have your trash TV so you can, you know, relax. Right. Right. Um, well, Garrett, we're so thankful that you gave some time to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, it's been wonderful for people, even who don't know other SU alum, to kind of hear about other people's pathways and journeys. And it's very inspirational. Um, oh. And your well, story is you no for, different. Thank you for reaching out. I mean, there's a million stories to tell now, you know. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I like sharing. And I've had such a fun career of ups and downs. It's one that I like to share with people. Um, to give them, you know, just let them know that it's all good. You got to just trust. Sometimes you got to do that one more shift of cater waitering before you're nominated, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, hell, I mean, uh, uh, Widow Peru in our show, um, why am I forgetting her name right now? Because I love her. We got Jane Hottishell and Marie Mullen. Uh, she won a Tony in her 40s or 50s. She can't believe she's working on Broadway again. She's now in her late sixties. Um, you know, she's been living in Ireland, just hanging with her husband. And, and all of a sudden she gets a call that they want her to play with a Peru. You know, it's like, wow. What? <laughs> you just never know with this business. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Well, thanks for doing this. Yes. Well, thank yes, you, yes, Garrett. yes. Good luck with the rest of the run. Thank you. And tell, uh, tell Kathy that we said hello. I will. Has she done this yet? We've been trying, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we all have crazy schedules, but yeah, we've been trying to get Kathy on and um, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'll let her know I did it. It was fun. Oh, yeah, she's going to say, now nah, how was it? Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, how was it? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Gary. Right. Well, great talking to you and uh, we will talk to you soon. Good luck with the rest of your run and have a good evening. Thank you, you too. All right, bye. 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 Thanks so much, Garrett, for taking time off to talk to us on your night off on the Broadway. We really appreciate it. Uh, so proud of you and everything you're doing is amazing. And what a freaking career. Um, we're so honored that you spoke to us and proud to call you another SU alum friend. Um, we've talked to every range of people in every kind of uh, walk of life and um, career. And each and every one of them is important, valid, and has a place. And that's why we love talking to everybody. Um, right, Maddie? Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody has a story. That's right. Oh gosh, that's the um, Kathy Lee. Gifford. Show. Everyone no, has. And everyone does have yeah. a story. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. All right. Um, thank you again. Thank you. If you want to hear more about us, you can always visit www. Connor Smith. Dot. No. Connor Smith Musicals. Dot com. That's kind of an er. You can also find us on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram under Connor and Smith again with an er. Um, you can find us on Patreon under Connor and Smith. We'd love it if you could check that out and donate if you can. Um, you can join the Discord discussion. That is in the show notes as well, as is the Spotify late 90s playlist um, you can add music to. Um, so that's about all we have. We're going to have another guest tomorrow, and we hope you all are well, and we will talk to you soon. All right? All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.